Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of The Daily French Show. I am your host, Nicholas Larimer, and today I'm joined by Mr. Terence Corrigan. Terence, how are you doing, sir? Uh, it's been a bit of a tough day, but I'm all right. Good to have you with us, and also we are joined by Mr. Mario Truitt. Marius, how are you doing? I'm all right, and you, Nick? You as well, Terence? I'm pretty good. Um, before we... Uh, get stuck into it. I just want to say that tomorrow we have the sort of Joburg launch of Anthea Jeffrey's book Countdown to Socialism, which is about the National Democratic Revolution, a key tenant of ANC, what, what explains the way the ANC operates in the country. Um, you can check out, I think, the uh, Free Market Foundation's website for some of the details on that. It'll be tomorrow night uh, at about 6 or 6.30 if you want to go along and attend that. It's an open event to everyone. Uh, and also check out the IRR's YouTube channel, um, which is now split off from the Daily Friend channel. Okay, let us get into the news of today. And the first one is uh, the ANC has apparently fielded a report in uh, to, to its highest decision-making body that uh, suggests that the ANC really does have a shot of maintaining its majority in the next election. <laughs> So the narrative, which has kind of become, I think, the kind of sort of conventional wisdom, although I think uh, uh, Morris has actually made a good point about pushing back against this, but we can get into that in a second, is that the ANC is pretty much fated to go below 50% of the next government election, um, following on from uh, their the 46% of the votes in the municipal election in 2021. Uh, the ANC document, however, says the ANC's decline is well known. What is hardly talked about is the ANC's decline and uh, sorry, it's the DA's decline and vote shedding, and the EFF was growing dramatically, but is now leveling. It is reaching a ceiling. And essentially, this ANC internal document suggests that the DA and the EFF are together, not really in a position to grow much. It goes on to say about how. Uh, new parties and community-based organizations are cannibalizing existing parties and are gaining seats in municipalities, provincial legislature, national parliament, and there's increased fragmentation of the party system. The advent of independent candidates in the 2024 elections may increase cannibalization and fragmentation of provincial and national government. Whether these political developments will improve the quality of, democ of democracy and development outcomes is still open for debate. Uh, it also says that um, parties like Action SA initially posed a threat to both the DA and the ANC, but this seems to be leveling off as well now. And the ANC essentially is kind of seems to be arguing in its internal document here that uh, all the major parties have reached some sort of a ceiling and the vote is just going to be too fragmented and too chaotic for anyone to be able to consolidate enough votes to push the ANC below 50%. That's the argument as far as I understand it. Um, they do highlight the IFP as being a little bit, their growth being a little bit worrying, seeing a revival from its decline that went from uh, during the kind of heart of the Zumi years from 2009 to 2014. Uh, but that's, even the ANC admits that that seems to be turning around. The IFP is set to grow. So, Marius, firstly, the central idea here is I think that the EFF and the DA have ceilings and that they're basically at the maximum vote that they're ever going to get. Um, what do you make of that argument? I think it's a fair argument to make. <clears throat> in a democracy, 
every party has a ceiling. You know, a lot of people always arguing about, we're saying that the DA is given up trying to be a mass party, trying to get, uh, is given up trying to be, uh, get 50% or more, uh, 50% plus one of the votes. And the, it's fine for the DA not to try to get 50%. It's, it's got its niche. Same as the EFF. The EFF is never going to get more than, say, 15% of the votes in South Africa. And that's what happens in a proportional representation system. It's fine to go for, you know, aim for 20, 25% in lots of democracies around the world that use proportional representation. If you're getting 20 and 25 percent, you're the biggest single party in uh, in the legislature. Currently, in the city of Joburg, the ANC is the single biggest party with 33 percent of the vote. So, if you're aiming for 20, 25 percent, that's actually not a bad place to be in a multi-party system. And once the ANC goes under 50 percent, which maybe it'll be next year, I'm still not sold, completely sold on that. Probably in South Africa, no party will ever get above 50 percent nationally ever again. I think we South Africa's actually been in a an anomaly in a multi-party system where there's been a party that's regularly got more than 50% of the vote. Most most countries around the world where there's a multiplicity of parties, it's very rare that a party gets more than 50% of the vote. The US is a uh, is a bit different, but that's because there's only really two parties there. But in every other democracy, basically around the world, including you know UK, India, wherever, New Zealand, you know um, other um, European countries, Brazil, whatever you, no party. It's very rare that a party gets about 50% of the vote. But yeah, but I think it's fair enough to talk about ceilings and perhaps uh, play, people like the DA and uh, the FF uh, have got it. But uh, I think, uh, and but I think it is an important point that these um, kind of community-based parties and smaller parties are definitely growing. If we look at the 2016 local government elections, 90% of people voted for the ANC, EFF, or the DA. In 2021, uh, only 80% voted for one of those three parties. And actually, uh, I've started putting together just a little project I've been looking at things and just looking at fragmentation of votes in South Africa. So in uh, 2000, in the city of Joburg, nine parties uh, were represented on the city council. In 2021, they doubled to 18. In Etzeguini, hold on to your hats here. So in 2000, there were 10 parties on the Etzeguini council in Durban. In 2021, there were 24. And this is pretty much the case for... Uh, uh, you know, municipalities across South Africa. And I think we're just going to continue seeing this kind of fragmentation. And yeah, it's going to be a bumpy couple of years for South African democracy, I think. But yeah, but I think good bumpy. So I th I think uh, I agree with Mario say that very much this is very likely that parties do have ceilings. I think part of the real question here, though, is um, whether those parties are at the ceilings. I think we've kind of argued at least I have, that the EFF doesn't really seem set to grow at the moment. Um, and the, the argument behind that, that, that analysis is that uh, in contrary to sort of the, the, the general perception out there, most South Africans actually are not really that keen on radical revolutionary politics, despite the high levels of unemployment, despite the inequality, despite the high levels of poverty, um, and that this is what limits the, 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 the EFF's growth. The arguments about the DA have usually been something along the lines of it's seen as too much being representative of white interests or minority interests. Um, I know that there's polling out there that says something like 20% of black voters consider voting for the DA, but they only get, I think the best they've ever done is about 7% of the black vote, something like that. Um, six, 7%, somewhere around there. So that suggests that they're not at their ceiling uh, at least in theory, because they've got this chunk of voters who are every election on the fence about voting for them. They just don't manage to consolidate them. However, if you never manage to consolidate those voters, then you you know it's effectively a ceiling whether they're considering voting for you or not. Um,
Terence, what, what do you make of these arguments? Do you think that, uh, you know, the ANC might be able to kind of hold on because no one else can, can, can get a large enough share of the votes? Or are they going to die by a thousand cuts where they actually will lose votes to these smaller parties? They will, the DA and EFF have not stopped growing. What's your thoughts? My sense of it is that at the moment, they probably, they probably still have a decent shot at keeping an overall majority. Um, look, remember, it's still there's still close to a year to, uh, to go, so you know a lot of water can go under the bridge. Um, that being said, I think that that uh, you know, as sure as night follows day, uh, the the uh, era of hegemonic politics is coming is is coming to a close. Um, I do I, I do find what you said interesting about the um, uh, about the DA's sort of latent support, and that was uh, explained to me, that was explained to me once in these terms that uh, disillusionment with the uh, with the existing order um, has has been a thing for you know two decades, um, but the two things that kind of um, uh, that kind of hold it back. First of all. Uh, there have been some very real gains, particularly things like social grants. Um, you know, that's a small that that and that's it's it's entirely it's entirely rational to um, uh, uh, to think that that's 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 a matter of um, of, of existential importance and whatever uh, whatever thievery or whatever the ANC may get uh, may get up to, that's your little designated benefit. The other thing, um, which I think is more so is more sociological, and I've, I've seen this again and again and it's been said to me again and again is that um you, you can be one of those 20 percent uh in the months prior to an election when the election rolls on people start talking politics um and the environment changes around you uh the anc has a particular particular resonance with with people uh you know they used to do these the I, I know in the 2009 election there these big street parties, uh, you know, where they'd show up with cars and motorcycles and you know buy out all the shish and yamas and you know everyone would, you know, um, and that was um, uh, that that uh, sort of integrated people. You didn't want to be excluded from 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 the from the community mood, um, and so yeah, you know, you're, you you might be willing to put your misgivings aside because so many other people. Seem willing to give it another. Um, seem willing to seem willing to give it another shot. Um, I think also there's been there's been issues with 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 the way the co the way coalitions have functioned in Kharteng. Um though uh, uh, Western Cape uh, rather more successfully. So yeah, you know, as I say, it's a bit of a bit of a mugs game to try and predict. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, one one. Um, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule the ANC out just yet. So my my feeling on this is that I think that there's probably more fluidity at the moment just because the mood of the country is so depressed. That much is and true. that this means that the campaign is going to be really vital. Um, the ANC's campaigns have sometimes been really strong, really well organized, uh, really powerful. And sometimes they've been kind of do everything last minute, not very up to date, uh, kind of drag themselves over the finish line. And it's not there's not like a clear trend. They kind of 
have done a bit of both, I think, uh, even in recent years. So I think that probably more than usual, the campaigning season is going to be very uh, key here. You know, will the DA have, uh, inevitably, there will be some sort of racially charged incident that will happen to the DA during the election campaign. How they deal with that, uh, how they are seen to deal with that by voters, I think will be important for that. The smaller parties who haven't yet got representation at national level, will they be able to break out from the pack and kind of make a noise? Um, and will the ANC be able to continue, as you say, Terence, that sort of hegemonic uh, uh, force, feel like they're still that hegemonic force? I know the EFF is actually pretty good at doing that, despite the fact that you know they're not that big. Um, and uh, Morris, your final thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, uh, like I say, I'm not. Uh, I, I could see the ANC still getting above fifty percent next year, just barely though. But and I think we're uh, what to watch uh, with an R2 2029 is what's going to happen in Gauteng and KwaZulu Natal. Uh, there, the ANC is definitely going to be under fifty percent. But uh, you know, that doesn't mean that opposition coalitions are going to be able to take over. There, we might see a dry run for kind of ANC EFF coalition, especially in Gauteng. But that said, though, the ANC and EFF seem to. The, uh, the love affair seems to be breaking down in Gauteng as well. They seem to be not as cozy as they were previously. And even Fakile Mbalula, who I believe was actually fairly in favor of an EFF-ANC coalition before, has come out now and said, you know, it's terrible, we'd rather go with the DA. So even an ANC-EFF coalition is, you know, it's not a done deal, I don't think. So, yeah, it's, I mean, as you say, things are very fluid at the moment. And, yeah, like we said before, it's the Chinese curse. May live in interesting times, and I think that's currently for all South Africans in the case. Look, if I can just 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 make just make one more um, uh, one more comment on the question of of uh, hegemonic control, uh, the ANC I think may have the numbers, but the so let's say the moral suasion I think that is long gone. Um, I um, uh, I think that 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 they may, that uh, they can they can hang on in a sense um through those social the social bonds and also through the uh, as i say through those 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 real deliverables but the idea that the anc represented some sort of higher plane of morality and a lovely quote from from um, an anc document about 20 years ago the most important moral voice in the country on almost any issue i don't i, I don't even think people in the nec believe that anymore <laughs> no, probably not. Um, yeah, I, I do think that one of the underappreciated values of, of why the ANC has been so successful electorally over the past 30 years has been because it has such an enormous uh, structure. It has a branch in every single ward in the country. That branch is mostly functional. It can field candidates everywhere. It can do events everywhere. Um, it's just able to be everywhere. And particularly when you're talking to voters who are not that engaged with the media world, that is an incredibly important thing in advancing them. And I think that's also why the opposition has tended to struggle. They just don't have the same kind of organizational impact anywhere in the country. Um, and that is well, a, they've, also a they've, also the, they've also got the trade unions and large parts of the civil service. that are Right. Exactly. And that, that that's, I think, what helped them to build those structures is that they've always got, they've had these things. Um, that being said, I don't think any of the opposition parties have managed in three decades to build anything even comparable um and that's that's this sort of explains why they're not as successful but anyway let's um move on to our next topic 
uh, there have been protests at UCT. Well, I mean, there's often protests at UCT, but this one is quite interesting. So uh, uh, Professor Patrick uh, Mumba was uh, coming to speak to the EFF um, as part of their 10th anniversary celebrations. I think it's the EFF's 10th birthday on Thursday, I think. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, I remember EFF speeches, they often, I think, pompously call themselves the July 27th movement or something like that. Anyway, um, so as part of this, they, they uh, asked this, this professor to come and speak to them at UCT. And uh, he gave a speech, which I believe Terence watched and I read some extracts from. It was kind of the usual sort of Africa must unite, uh, the AU must be more influential, we must throw out the foreign meddlers, the IMF and the World Bank who seek to shackle Africa to the chains of the foreign imperialists, that kind of rhetoric. Um, but uh, the reason there were protests against his attendance is because some of the things he said about gay people in the past. Uh, so uh, the professor is a supporter, outspoken supporter of Uganda's anti-homosexuality bill, which includes the death penalty uh, for people who have homosexual sex, I think they call it aggravated homosexuality. Yes, um, which is fairly uh, vaguely defined, and in practice, is essentially the death penalty for for people who, who engage in same-sex relationships. Um, and uh, he's also talked previously about how. You know, I, I believe that uh, this is un-African, that homosexuality is un-African, that gay people need to be quote-unquote cured. So the protesters were holding signs saying the EFF has blood on its hands and to hell with homophobia. Uh, this is also slightly awkward for the EFF, I think, because the EFF themselves have actually criticized the Ugandan bill. Um, in fact, Julius Malema led a protest outside the Ugandan embassy in Pretoria. So uh, the university responded... To all of this saying, the university has noted with concern the comments that have been made by the speaker and the critical conversations that have emerged as a result and urges the external host to engage these accordingly. It is a very measured statement. Terence, what do you make of this? Look, this, this is a particularly interesting one for me because um, there was something very similar a couple of years ago. Uh, the case of, of Fleming Rose, the Danish editor who was invited by UCT's Academic Freedom um, uh, Committee, and then was disinvited because his uh, his, his appearance would, uh, as uh, the, the uh, head honcho at UCT at the time, Max Price said, probably retard the process, the the cause of academic freedom. My God, you know, you want to hear, you you know, you might say things that upset people, or he may have done things in the past that upset people. Um, okay, I, I suppose first off, I I. Uh, wholeheartedly disagree with 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 Professor Lumumba. By the way, the name PLO Lumumba, that actually is his name. Um, I at one stage thought that this was some sort of internet meme, but there it is. Um, I've I've watched some of uh, uh, some of the stuff he said about that. Um, look, I, I, um, I don't I don't I, I don't endorse it. I don't um, I don't agree with it. I think that the, the legislation is 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 dreadful and you know, cynically, uh, cynically intended. Um, but I, I would also say that, that, that his views probably represent them, you know, a very sizable majority of people in East Africa. Um, and I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm not, I'm not saying this thing that's right. 
what interested me was a lot of the commentary that was going around before this uh, in protesting his his appearance at the university, which was that, uh, you know, the EFF has blood on their hands and, you know, he's the university should be a safe space. It seems to me that uh, university, um, uh, you know, as long as your physical safety is guaranteed, um, which isn't always, sometimes with the, uh, 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 let's say, um, guilt by omission of university or university authorities but you know in terms of in in terms of the exchange of ideas and you know if you want to talk about you know being being part of um uh, you know being being engaged with the continent these are views you have to uh, that you that you have to engage with now i think one of the big ironies is that i i watched i watched his address and this is a man of considerable uh, considerable intellect um i'm somewhat familiar with some of his other work and essentially, what he delivered was somewhere between a campaign, uh, a, a campaign uh, uh, a speech, and a um, uh, and a church sermon. I actually had seen him address religious um, uh, audiences elsewhere, very, very much in that sort of um, uh, in that sort of vein. He said nothing that that I thought was of any real significance. Um, uh, it was it was mostly boilerplate. That he probably didn't really have to prepare, but you know he delivered it delivered it fairly competently, and he didn't mention the the LGBTQ issue at any point. Um, but the point the the point the the point I want to make, and this goes back to to um, uh, the the Fleming Rose affair. Um, a controversial speaker came to a place where controversial ideas should be expressed. The sky did not fall. Um, I don't think anyone was killed. Um, and uh, if I can just remind our readers, uh, after uh, our listeners, after Fleming Rose was disinvited, the Institute actually invited him to South Africa and he delivered uh, a, a two talks on our behalf, one in Johannesburg and one in, um, uh, one in Cape Town. This is what Gwen and Gwenya said at the time. If I may be self-deprecating on Rose's behalf, I doubt Rose's speech will signal a watershed moment in the South African dialogue and free speech. He will speak in a room hosting a tiny fraction of the South African populace. The sun will rise in the east and set in the west. The next day, students will shuffle to lectures. People will queue in the morning at taxi ranks. Nobody, in W.H. Auden's words, will stop all the clocks, cut off the telephone, or prevent the dog from barking with a juicy bone. You know, um, uh, free speech, I do not think, is anything to be um, uh, 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 to be a to be afraid of. And I think particularly in, on a university campus, I, I think it loses its entire soul if you're going to, if you're going to prioritize, uh, prioritize comfort, no matter how offensive and, you know, egregious you may find those, the, the, those views to be. So, Morris, I'd like your thoughts on this one. Um, what kind of strikes me, though, is, and, and uh, you know, I pr pretty much agree with what Terence said, uh, is that I, I do get the feeling that this was not an EFF speaker, and we already have the example that, that Terence uses. And sure, it was a few years ago, so maybe things have changed, but that the university perhaps would have had stronger views on the issue, uh, whereas the, they had this very moderate response, saying that um, uh, the, the, ho the, the host should engage with the criticisms made of the speaker, which they should, <laughs> but I don't know. What's, what's your thought? Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, uh, it's quite likely we've been somebody invited by another political party and some, uh, shall we say, controversial views. Maybe the university wouldn't have been 
so it's a chilled about it. But then it also shows the EFF slip here. Uh, I mean, they, they marched against these laws in uh, Uganda, but now they've invited a speaker who's quite in support of these laws. So, I mean, I don't think that the EFF is really uh, actually opposed to, or Julius Malema himself or Floyd Chibamba or whatever, actually thinks those laws in Uganda are that bad. I think there's no how to play the media. And, you know, a lot of people in, in the South African media, they will, you know, in the chattering classes, will lose their minds over something. Say Helen Zillis says something, and it's pretty milquetoast compared to some, some of the stuff uh, Julius Malema says. But I think Julius Malema really knows how to play the kind of, I don't know how you put it, your kind of like sort of soft lefties in the media, uh, you know, and they're like, oh, this is great. He's standing up for gay rights, which is, you know, of course, I also agree with that. You know, you should definitely, those laws in Uganda are terrible. But then I wouldn't be inviting a person who said that these laws are actually amazing to be hosted on a platform that I'm in charge of. So I think it shows you the slippers. Right, I mean, they, it they, reveals they, the EFF's they, ideological priorities, right? Yeah, exactly. So which I mean, which is fine. But then there's also it helps. I mean, you should be. I think uh, it helps to be kind of firm on what your principles are. And I think the EFF has shown that its principles aren't particularly firm, apart from one or two things. I mean. Julius Malema sometimes, you know, a couple of years ago he was a great big uh, Rob Mugabe fan. Now he's not really Rob Mugabe's greatest fan or Zoni PF's fan. So I think, you know, they they flip-flop a lot, even around Jacob Zuma. I think there's a good example. They were, you know, Jacob Zuma was public enemy number one, according to the EFF, in 2015, 2016, 2017. Now suddenly he's this great man of African and black liberation that the EFF must support. So I think it shows you there's, it's all, you know, it's just playing... What, what, what makes most sense to, uh, at the time. And I don't think they're really, you know, they're not really coming from first principles with a lot of the things they say and do. Well, if I, um, uh, if I may look um, and, uh, uh, you know, let me, uh, let me unearth my inner Pan-Africanist, uh, you Pan-Africanist, you Terence. Um, uh, when he was, um, uh, when he was interviewed on on um, on TV, Professor Lumumba uh, did did make the following point: his his issues seem well. While I don't think he feels particularly kindly about um, uh, about homosexuality and transgenderism and all the rest, I'd, part of part of his objection was you know, seems to come from this you know ideologically Africanist point of view that you need African solutions to African problems and you know we have to, we have our distinct culture and all that. And I I I I, I do take a I do take a skeptical view of that, but he did say, you know, why why are people coming to Africa to lecture us about this? Would they go to the Saudis or the Kuwaitis or to Brunei and say these things? No, they won't. I mean, it was. I, I remember about, it was about two years ago. One of the big accounting firms uh, had during Pride Month the rainbow icon, you know, on its, wow. on its Twitter handle in every region of parts in the Middle East. Just. Um, uh, interesting that. Um, yeah, no, so yes, you know, I, I sort of I having sort of a lot of oil money changes things, doesn't it? Well, yeah, I know, um, and uh, you know, so in this in this instance, I will, um, you know, I will say that 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 that, that the good professor um, uh, possibly has a point. Um, look, as I say, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not justifying what what um, what what Uganda is doing, but um, yeah, you know. I do. Th I, I I I don't think that 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 coming from where he does that is an entirely fringe position, and I think it's it's far more productive to you know have to to try and have some sort of um uh, some sort of dialogue. Here's the question though: Would the people protesting be willing to put him on a platform 
you know, alongside someone from the UCT LGBTQ organization to actually have that debate, or that would that itself be seen as 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 as, as platforming? You know, these these are these to my mind are 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 real questions. Something to think about. All right, let's very briefly go over our very last story here. Um, and it looks like things have been going well for the Pretoria Coalition, anti-ANC coalition. Uh, the coalition had a lot of fighting, and there was mayors who didn't get elected. It was a lot of drama. But things seem to have calmed down since the election of Silius Brink. Um, and now the DA uh, is seeking to, it looks like, extend more of an olive branch to the, uh, to, the uh, to Action SA by creating the position of deputy mayor in the council, which will be given to an Action SA um, MMC member of the mayoral committee. So already someone who's, who's represented in that government. Uh, and this is something it seems like all the coalition members are pretty much behind. Um, and uh, it's not unprecedented. Pretoria doesn't have a deputy mayor position, but uh, there are deputy mayors in, in some municipalities around the country. Um, this is, of course, supported by Action SA. But the EFF and ANC have become very upset. They say that it's going to cost too much money. They've thrown around the figures of 4 million rand a year or 12 million rand a year. Uh, and the EFF statement read as follows, quote, in the typical fashion of a low self-esteem lover who begs the allegiance of a partner through gifts and other expensive items, the DA has gone as far as to create a position of deputy mayor to keep the Action SA happy in this ineffective marriage of convenience. Marius, your thoughts? Yeah, it's usual blaster from the ANC and EFF. I don't think it's a bad idea uh, to, to have a deputy mayor position if it stabilizes coalition. It's also nothing new. A lot of municipalities around South Africa have deputy mayors. Uh, Cape Town has one, and there's some trivia for you. The deputy mayor is Eddie Andrews, who played rugby for the Springboks, and he's probably the highest uh, uh, highest position the Springboks uh, ever reached politically in South Africa since Davi de Villiers, who was uh, also a Springbok, and he was a cabinet minister in the National Party and ANC cabinets. So there's some trivia for everybody. But yeah, I think, as I say, it's just normal ANC FF blaster, and I, think there's, I don't think it's a bad idea if it can stabilize the coalition in China. Terence, your thoughts briefly. Well, I don't know. Maybe they can get v uh, the the VBS trust fund to pay for it. So we should uh, 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 speak to the um, uh, speak to the EFF about that. But you know, here's a he, here's a here's a concluding point. Um, it, it 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 and sorry, just coming back to my hobby horse about by, by Professor Lumumba. Why would somebody who has been so outspokenly critical of post-colonial African gun governments? want to go and stand up on a um, on a stage and sing the praises of a party that pretty much embodies all of that it, that i think was was uh, was one of the great unspoken um, uh, uh, unspoken ironies and you heard it here on the daily friend show <laughs> very good all right that's all the time we have for today uh, i've just been load shit so that's wonderful no, and uh, i hope you all have a wonderful and productive week ahead cheers <laughs>